When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Thursday, September the 15th, 2022. What is going on? Appreciate you all tuning in. We are live. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We are taking your questions, your comments, your calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. I see John Edward Chase, Stephanie Lee, Connor Lee, Hunter, Travis Lee, Cody Gaskins, Lady Bree, what's going on? Uh, Lady Bree, we'd love to have you call in today. Noah Johns. Stephen Borwell Jr., uh, J.D. Holbrooks, Gad, what's up? Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel, be sure your questions are answered there. Uh, DGD, what's up, man? Appreciate you tuning in. DGD, if you got time, we'd love to have you call in, man. We'll talk some South Carolina, Georgia. Of course, one fifteen today, we've got my good friend J.C. Sherbert joining the show. Just went on his show inside the Gamecocks to talk. Uh, little Gamecocks and dogs. So really excited for the game. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to kickoff, noon kick as we sit 48 hours away from kickoff. And I know we are all ready. We are all ready to lock in on the game. Uh, what's going to take place? Gamecocks will try to pull off. I don't know, man. I think if South Carolina beat Georgia, it might be the, the biggest upset in, in the college football season. I mean, would you agree? I mean, it'd be one of the biggest, if nothing else. Uh, would be something, though. Would be something for South Carolina to take down the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Would be would be a good time. Um, anyways, guys, before we really get going, of course, TDC brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app. Go to PricePicks.com. Use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Again, guys, I know you guys are betting. Um, <clears throat> I know you guys are betting on spreads, over-unders, totals, all that good stuff. Prop plays is the way to go, though. And our friends at Price Picks can help you out. Uh, again, prizepicks.com. Go download the app. You can bet on things like college sports, NFL, NHL, uh, MLB, whatever it is, right? And, and again, we love it because uh, we love the college sports side of things. So um, that's our friends at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, guys, really proud and happy to say Prize Picks is a partner of the Spurs Up Show during the 2022 football season. Caden, I will give my prize pick play later in the week, or maybe even later today. Later today, I might. Because there's some value in this Carolina-Georgia game. There's a lot of value in the Stetson Bennett over under 294 and a half passing yard total. That alone, that alone to me is, I, I understand, <clears throat> I understand that Stetson Bennett has looked really, really good, but man, you're telling me he's going to throw for 300 against the Gamecock defense? That, that, that's tough. That's tough. That's really, really tough. So, uh, anyways, guys, really excited to hear from you. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Also, Shane Beamer set to have his call-in show tonight at 6 o'clock. He will speak 6 to 7. He will speak 6 to 7. Um, yeah, so really, really looking forward to that hearing what he has to say. Definitely the injury update, right? Which guys can go, which guys cannot. 
Um, <clears throat> DGD says he's thrown for 300 or more in both games so far. Obviously, DGD, you can tell I would take the under. Would you take the over? I, I just... I would be very surprised if Stetson Bennett goes for 300-plus again. I, I would be shocked. And, and, I mean, listen, do I think that the Gamecocks secondary is really as good as a top 10 nationally ranked? I, I don't know. That's up for debate. But we got quality guys in the secondary. Now, now, now with that being said, if Cam Smith is questionable, Call from Bree. then it could change some things. There we go. Lady Bree, what's up? How are you? What's up, Chris? How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you asking. Uh, I do want to say first things first. I apologize for the confusion before, and, and glad to have you calling in. Uh, no biggie, man. No biggie. That, that happens. And so, anyway, um, I, the thing I was going to call in and talk about, like you said, you heard it on the, uh, you know, Mike Yuba's thing the other night. Um, I do want to clear up, clear up one thing. I want to get your opinion on this, though. It was something I hit him with at the end of the show. If our season would have started out say we could have started with charlotte sc state georgia state vandy missouri how would the outlook of our year look if we had this if we could have started like that before going on the road to arkansas well we've been a lot better shape with people with more experts have picked us to win in arkansas then will we have more chance to get ready for a game like that and that's a hypothetical it doesn't matter but we hear so much negativity about our picks saying, hey, you know, we were going to start one and two. And everybody's like, why would you say that? That's a big part of it. We didn't. We had a, a new team going on the field early in the year to Arkansas. That's why. Yeah. If we could have started out, you know, with, with easier teams, maybe that, you know, people would have looked at that game a lot differently, you know, if we had a time. So I, what was your opinion on that? No, no, listen, I, I think you're 100% spot on, Lady Bree. I, I think the way the schedule set up this year, you know, when you looked at it, unfortunately was not conducive to a hot start, right? Because a lot of, you know, you look at these games in the preseason and we just kind of, <clears throat> we end of it, you know, when we look at them, we individually look at like, okay, South Carolina, Missouri play just a one-off game. Like, like where they play in the season does matter. I mean, if South Carolina, for example, plays Florida early in the year last year, I could argue the Gamecocks lose. Thankfully, we played them late. More than likely. Yeah, thankfully we played them late, though, when their program was falling apart at the seams and they had issues going on and, and we were playing much better football and, and we took it to them. So, um, you know, realistically, you knew that early in this season it was going to be a bunch of pieces that had to mesh and come together and figure it out. And, and it wasn't just going to be – because you can't simulate on-field SEC action, right? So it's Spencer Rattler and a bunch of pieces that are trying to figure this thing out all together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely, listen, the way, the way the schedule set up, it did you no favors. Um, this first three-game stretch – and I was just talking about this with J.C. Sherbert. You know, there's no shame in starting one and two, by the way. There's no – I mean, you lose to Arkansas, lose no. to Georgia. A lot of no. football teams would lose to Arkansas and Georgia. A lot of football teams will lose to a Arkansas lot, A lot Georgia. of teams are going to – a right. lot of teams are going to lose to Arkansas and Georgia this yeah. year. Yeah, so, I mean, but, but what it does serve <laughs> as is it gives you sort of a, you know, a, a measuring stick, if you will. And, and I think, for lack of a better way of putting it, a lot of Gamecock fans are, are eating some humble pie right now. And we're just kind of realizing where we are and – and how far we're off it. But that's, with that being said, it, it doesn't really change my thought process and, and my feelings on that. I think a seven and five season is very doable still. I mean, God forbid, I think maybe, maybe eight. You know, like I exactly picked you. You know, I talked with Michael Bratton this morning that dropped on his podcast. I'd highly suggest you go check that out. But I talked with him. He actually asked me. Chris, I usually how, do. Yeah, he said, Chris, how have you been able to keep a level head after the first two weeks? It's like, well, I mean, I picked it. I mean, I, 
you know, you we go lose to Georgia Saturday and we start one and two. Well, <laughs> I, I picked you to start one and two. And 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 in that same vein, I picked you to beat Kentucky in, in a couple weeks because I feel like for this football team, I'm not trying to look past Saturday or look ahead of it or get too far ahead of myself. I think Charlotte and SC State is going to be as important a two-week stretch for this football team as we have all year because it really is going to serve as the last opportunity for this team to sort of just figure everything out, who you are, who you want to be, because I'm sorry, week in, week out in the SEC, that's not the place to try to figure things out, right? Like, like we're all talking about going to Georgia like, man, can we figure out a running game? Georgia's not the team <laughs> to figure out the running game against. You know what I mean? So – all um, right, but I, I so do agree with you. I think that you was a great that, that's where I wanted to talk about. That's what I wanted to talk about there. That was my next bone to pick with everybody on our running game. I actually took a lot of notes on the Arkansas game, and I got those to share. I'm gonna try to keep this brief as possible, but there are notes on pretty much every drive we had until the fourth quarter because that's kind of when things just got haywire. A lot of bombs down the field. Everything that kind of happened in the fourth quarter didn't really matter. Uh, but, you know, starting off, you know, one of the things that everybody's going on about is that, you know, we couldn't run the ball against Arkansas. And my argument isn't that we couldn't run it. We just didn't try enough. Um, through the first three drives, we had two running plays. And I actually wrote down every formation we were in, the formations that I, I, I love for us, how they shifted in and out through tempo because they had different guys in these sets uh, to where you would have uh, Stogner out there, Bell out there, uh, two wide receivers and a running back, but they might be five wide and then they could shift into like a tight end on the line kind of set and things like that. And they were doing that. They were actually mixing that up quite well. I was pretty impressed with that part of the uh, play calling. But through the first three drives, they didn't run one, 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 one running play to a running back. We had a, a, a play to Jaheim Bell early that went for like six yards or whatever. Then we had that big momentum uh, stalling thing where I said, you know, uh, uh, delay a game on the officials, <laughs> you know, and, and then we didn't get anything, you know, there or whatever after, you know, our, our delay a game on the officials. Um, you know, second game, uh, second drive, there were no runs. Uh, third drive, there was – uh, one run, but it was, um, I'm not sure it was, it wasn't, I have it circled somewhere, but there's still only one run. I think it was still the Jaheim Bell and it was, oh yeah, it was out of a two, uh, a two back set, which I actually like that set having Jaheim in the backfield there, but they kind of just made it obvious that Jaheim was in the backfield. They're going to hand off. So they crunched in on that play and we got nothing out of it. Hmm. On our fourth drive, we start running the ball a lot. Okay, to where we get down inside the opponent's territory and Arkansas switches to a four-man front. So we're, they're going, crap, these guys are, are pounding the rock. All right. I know we're down. We're down 21-3 to three at this point. But there's still a lot of time. So there's no reason we can't be running the ball. Okay? So they do run the ball. They run it hard. We pound it in there. We get the touchdown. Okay, um, on a lot of good running plays, even after Arkansas down at the goal line, they have four down linemen, two linebackers on the line. I mean, those guys are basically, they might, they might as well have been linemen. They were on the line, everybody but one person in the box that was covering a receiver to the outside. They were looking for run, and we smashed the ball in on a seven-yard touchdown run from uh, Lloyd. Uh, so we ran the ball effectively. And – 
half ends. We don't get points that I felt like we should have got where our defense now has shut them down. Uh, I didn't say shut them down, but they stopped them. They, they started giving the stops. We started getting back into the game. We're down 21 to six in the third quarter with, where's my notes on this? We had 654. Okay, we had 654. Now we got a touchdown on the drive before this, but it was all through the air again. We still we did have like one running play on that drive, but I had noted I didn't like that drive. Yeah, we scored on it. It looked explosive. That was the one I think Juice ends the ends the uh, drive. Yeah, 62 yard uh, to Juice. You know where it was like what uh, third and forever, and we, and we got one big play. But on that drive, there was no running, you know, and it, and it looked bad in that drive. We scored, but it wasn't a good-looking drive. And then next next, next time out, we still have time on the clock. We had stopped them again. I had um, defense had three straight stops. Here's your chance, 654 in the third, plenty of time. We've been running the ball effectively, and we didn't get any run plays going. So I do not think we couldn't run the ball. I simply think we just didn't do it enough. And then Marcus Adderfield kind of said that in his press conference. Well, yesterday, you know, he, you could tell he kind of regretted not dialing the run up enough. But I've heard a lot of people have taken a lot of heat for we couldn't run the ball. And here's how I think that's going to translate to Saturday, Chris. I think that Marcus is going to come back and try to run the ball, and we're not going to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, I could pull that stat out all day and say, hey, look, when we called running plays, we had a lot of good running plays. We did not call enough running plays. But I think what that's gonna, what's going to happen is we're going to come back this Saturday saying, oh, we got to try to play balance. Um, I think we need to need to be pass heavy with draws and things like that, like I called for before, but I think it's going to have to be a little pass heavy. It's going to have to call up the run a little bit more, but if they come out thinking, oh, well, we could have done more run against Arkansas. That's going to, that's what we got to do against Georgia. I, I would think that would be a mistake there. And I, I don't think we're going to move the ball a lot on the ground against Georgia. Well, Lady Bree, let me first say that was fantastic analysis. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, truly incredible. Um, yeah, fantastic. I, I need that after every game. Um, you know, I, I will say, I guess I was going to ask you my follow-up to you, and I saw this statistic, by the way, from Colin Taylor, who does a great job with on three. He said that the Gamecocks actually on first and second down average 4.3 yards per carry. So, obviously, there were pockets where we could run the football successfully. Um, I, I just wonder, like you mentioned, coming into this game against Georgia, I, I guess I would ask you, and it's, it's just sort of kind of open for debate, do you come into this week trying to make it a point that, you know what, we're going to figure out the run game come hell or high water, or, or do you spread it out? And Because, I mean, again, like you mentioned, <clears throat> we no doubt abandoned the run game. But Shane Beamer in his post game made the point of that was our game plan, was to go downfield and try to pass the football. And, and again, when, when you lose a game like you did at Arkansas and everything's going to get nitpicked, everything's going to get broken down, you know, the bottom line is this, and, and the way I just look at it, and some will disagree, you know, it's 2022, you got to win a game 50 to 44, like – Listen, I get it, I understand, but, you know, if the defense cuts those rushing yards in half and forces a couple turnovers and we win 30 to 24, we're having a whole different conversation about the offense and the game plan and all of that. So, but which is fair, right? When you lose, you open up the, the, the door for criticism. So, um, no, seriously, on your end, that was incredible. Those analytics, those statistics. Um, yeah, a fantastic break. I had them I guess, for I Georgia guess. State too, man. I, I had them for Georgia State, but you know we missed yeah. last week, basically after the Georgia State game or whatnot. And 
that's all right. But I'll get you those every week. I, I, I man, I, I it's like I Jeremy telling Mike, you know, after the season in the last year, there was so much energy on the program. I couldn't get enough, man. I might tune into your show, his show, anybody's show, and that's how I come up with my, you know, five and seven and ten and two. But I am, I've been, I don't know, man. I'm all about the Gamecock football. I have been for a long time, but. You know, now I'm retired from the sport of MMA, and I've got a new focus and things going on in life, and I have time to do these things. So I'll get you these every week. That's not a problem, man. But, um, yeah, you know, as far as Georgia, I mean, here's the problem. Those guys are super balanced on both sides of the ball. And when I say super balanced, I mean they're so balanced that if they wanted to lean one way or the other, they could do it easily, and, and whichever side they want to. They're super balanced on both sides of the ball. I don't know what we're going to do with those guys. I mean, it's going to take the energy of Willie B. <laughs> I know your favorite phrase there. You know, it's going to take, you know, I think somebody called. I was watching something, uh, another podcast, and the guy said, it's going to take, you know, three turnovers from the Gamecocks, and then we've got a game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that needs to go. That's all. You know, that's all it's going to take three turnovers and I'm like yeah that's all like yeah there you go that's how we're going to get this we're going to count on three turnovers from you know from Georgia yeah I mean that's you know have any turnovers yet you know I I don't know I have to go and look but I mean to to that that point I mean it it is going to take Georgia has to play and again I need people to understand that when I say if Georgia plays their a game it doesn't matter what South Carolina does they need to understand that if Georgia plays their A game, in my opinion, there's one team in college football that can beat them. That's Alabama. Like, like that applies to everybody on Georgia's schedule. If Georgia plays their A game, they're going undefeated until they see the Crimson Tide. You know what I mean? So, we, we need Georgia to not be at their best. You know, they, they've been incredible week one. They were ho-hum, take care of business week two. You know, we need them to be flat. We, we need them to not play well. We, we need Stetson Bennett to, for whatever reason, you know, uh, not have his best game. We need some guys to put the ball on the ground. Like, we need some weird things to happen, man. I mean, again, you look back at 2019, all those turnovers, Izzy McQuamu, three interceptions, pick six, and we had to go to overtime to win. You know what I mean? So, like, it's going to take some things. Um, there's a reason Georgia's a 24-and-a-half point favorite. There's a reason Georgia's ranked number one. I mean, my God, they just won the national championship. You know what I mean? We're not talking about a team that, you know, is, is like Arkansas and just kind of on the up and up, and we're giving all this unfair credit to. Georgia's earned the respect we're giving them. You know what I mean? So, um, but the beautiful thing is it's a, it's a, I don't know. You know, I, I think some folks are bummed. It's a noon game at Willie B. I'm kind of intrigued by it. Maybe Georgia comes in sleepwalking a little bit. Maybe Georgia, you know, they, they look at that spread and they feel like, you know, we, we, we've got the Gamecocks, this, this hapless football team. We're going to run it all over them. They can't, you know, maybe, maybe we shock the world. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie to you and say I'm picking it or anything or I expect it, but that's why they play the game. So. I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that's why, and, and I think Mike from uh, that, you know, the SEC podcast, you guys have him coming on, I think he said a little while. He kind of got roped into a prediction saying, hey, UGA was going to get, you know, uh, I, I, I felt like Paul Feinbaum kind of pushed that one on and made him you know, kind of push, hey, come on, give me that answer, give me that answer. And, and Mike's like, yeah, we're going to do a, a UGA upset, but, you know, I mean, everybody knows that there's always a possibility of an upset in a Carolina-Georgia game, you know. I mean, it's happened both ways. Our team's been good, and Georgia upset us 
you know, I, I remember a year with David Pollock, all our hopes and dreams, and that guy just snatched them away. Yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah. liter- literally snatched the ball oh, yeah. from the, I mean, the quarterback I mean, here, and, yeah. and snatched our dreams away. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just how that game goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you I'm, know? If I'm but proud. But we're not, we're not on that level. Right. That was I, a good team. I was going to say, I, I don't know if I'm proud to tell this story <laughs> or not, but uh, – you know, again, I, I became a diehard fan way back end of 02, beginning of 03, where it started to click, where I really understood what it meant. So I'll never forget the, the first time I ever cried over a South Carolina football game was 2004 when we were up 16 to nothing and lost that game. 20 to 16, I remember after the game asking my asking my mom, why, why does God hate my football team? You know what I mean? I, and I, for real. It, it was heartbreaking because I, I grew up in North Augusta. I grew up around all Georgia people. And, you know, at that point, Clemson was kind of a six-win program like us and um, you know, it, so that they weren't kind of on the radar as much. I mean, obviously we hated Clemson, but Georgia, you know, they, they've been elite for quite a while. So, um, I, listen, I, I'll be rocking my to hell with Georgia shirt on Saturday, whether we win by 50, we lose by 50, whatever it is. Uh, but we need some special things to happen. But, you know, special things have happened before when you're making a prediction and a pick and, and you're, you're in the position I'm in, which is keeping it a buck and keeping it real and, and operating in that fashion. You know, I'm not going to give you some fantasy land pick, but, you know, we can all hope and dream that, you know, a, a repeat of 2019 is coming. So, um, but realistically, yeah, listen, it, it's a challenge. And I would say lastly to you, I mean, I, I told this to J.C. Sherbert, man, if I'm, if I'm Clayton White and I'm Jimmy Lindsay and I'm Greg Atkins, because, you know, we, we put so much of it on coaching. And, and a lot of it is. They're, those guys are getting paid what they're getting paid. We put so much of it on coaching. But at some point, and, I, and the defensive front specifically, Hey, credit Jordan Birch. I talked about him on JC's show. I thought he played well last week, and I, and I want to see more of that. That's an encouraging sign, right? That's what I wanted to see from Jordan Birch. <clears throat> but at some point, players got to make plays. And I'm telling all those guys this week, like, dude, I don't give a damn what the spread says. I don't give a damn what the film says. Like, a lot of you in this room, Georgia wanted. You know, you're playing at a big-time SEC school. You were rated this by the recruiting, quote-unquote, experts, whatever. But, like, you are who you are, right? Like, you, you are – you are highly thought of for a reason. Let's go out and prove it. To hell with it, man. Just give Georgia hell for four quarters. Show people why Zach Pickens. Show people why you are Zach Pickens. Why you were thought of the way you were thought of. Again, Georgia wanted a lot of guys in that room. You know, there, there's a lot of – that's the fun thing about this game. There's a lot of Carolina guys on Georgia's roster and a lot of Georgia guys on our roster. So, um, physicality went at the point of attack. I'm challenging that D-line and O-line this week, man. And, and that's – you know, you can go lose by four touchdowns. But my God – make it hell make it hell just make it hell make if georgia they go out there and beat you and they whip you i can tip my cap and say man georgia's for real they're just for real that's cool right but make them earn it make them earn it i'm challenging that group this week man because it's like you know at the end of the day yes coaching 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 but like damn it players have got to go make plays let's go make some plays this weekend well, on those notes, I have one more thing to share with you. I'm going to let you get your podcast back on the road without me. Uh, I have been a fan since the Tannehill era, and being a Gamecocks fan is hard. And I said this, uh, it was a uh, comment I left on um, uh, Coach Satterfield's interview uh, well, yesterday. So this was Coach Satterfield's best interview I've watched by far. He seemed more confident than usual. I think he's really pleased with his team's performance on that side of the ball and probably realized he messed up. Got a little pass heavy thinking he had to, yada, yada. I kept on talking about that. If anything, wanted to, you know, I talked about the strategy a little bit going down, but I said, but if you follow me in comments, 
and chat rooms, you'll know I'm in full support of Coach Satterfield. He's doing a great job. It takes time to turn a whole program around, and I wish all the hot seat talk would cease for all our current coaches. They have one of the toughest jobs in the entirety of college football, guys. Look at this. They have to flip the Gamecocks from one of the worst teams over several seasons to one of the best. They have to do this not only in the toughest league, but damn sure they have the most demanding fans. It's what makes USC football so great. Years of ups and mostly downs, but always that glimmer that we might get there. I think this regime, these bunch of great coaches are about to deliver something very special to the most loyal and dedicated fan base in all of sports. But guys, it's not going to be this year. It may not be next year. But within the next two seasons, Beamer Ball 2.0, that includes his staff, is about to be a yearly contender for the division. So those are changing soon, I guess. And conference championships. Give them time. Let these coaches feel great about what they've achieved and let them know we see what they're doing. Well said. Lady Bree, fantastic. Seriously, fantastic stuff. I'm <laughs> glad you're able to call in. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure. All right. You guys have a good day. Uh, good luck on Saturday to everybody. And, you know, so hopefully everybody stays safe. You know, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. Everybody stays safe. Yeah, absolutely. So, y'all have a good one. Lady Bree, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Great stuff. That was a, that was a fantastic call. A fantastic call. I, I thought very well thought out analysis and, and takes on the running game, this football game this weekend. Uh, Lady Bree, call in anytime. Really, really good stuff. Um, great call. It's about 20 minutes or so. That's a great way to start this show today. Um, anyways, guys, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Again, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. I, I can't say it enough. Um, Truly do appreciate everybody that shows love that, uh, you know, that rocks with us. I, I, I just, again, I can't, cannot say it enough. Truly, truly. Uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Brian Dean with a pick. I know he called in yesterday. South Carolina 28, Georgia 24. I lo- Hey, Brian, if it happens, you're a genius, right? If it happens, you're a genius. Um, you know, I, I will say this. I will say this. I mentioned last week no moral victories. Um, I mentioned last week no moral victories. And I don't want to say moral victories this week in the sense of, you know, if, if, if you, you know, we should throw a parade if you lose by seven or we should, we, 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 we should be pounding our chest on social media. But if you can lose this game, in my opinion – and again, it I, doesn't really matter to me how folks feel on this. I think anybody who's realistic uh, would, would understand this take. But if, if, you can, if you can hang within Georgia, and this is, let's say, a 14-point loss or less. I mean, listen, we all want to win. I, I, I want to see us pull the upset. But if Georgia's clicking, right, they're not just giving you the football, turning the ball over, because as we mentioned, the recipe to success and the recipe to an upset, things like that will have to happen. But if you can go out there, go out there line up, you know, take Georgia down to the wire, you know, go toe-to-toe with them, and, and you lose the game by 14, how could you not look at that as an encouraging sign moving forward, especially if the defensive front makes progress? The offensive line makes progress. Spencer Rattler makes progress, right? Like, how, how could you not look at that as a positive? So, you know, that's, that's, that's what I most want to see. That's what I'm most looking for in this ball game. We, we'd all love to win. I will be proudly rocking my to hell with Georgia shirt Right, It's to hell with Georgia, whether we win by 50 or we lose by 50. But when you look at this game and you're giving a realistic pick and projection, 
Ain't nobody out there picking the Gamecocks, unless you're a Gamecock fan, which I, I fully respect it, right? Ride or die with your team. But uh, if you can lose this game by 14 or less, you can you – can, if this is a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, that is going to be a very encouraging sign, in my opinion, to where this football team is. And the great thing about it, too, if this is a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, I mean, that's the last thing Georgia wants. Because all logic and reasoning tells us all Carolina's got no chance. Look at the spread. Look at Georgia. Look at the rankings. Look at this. Look at that. All I'm saying is this to UGA, to Kirby Smart, don't let the Gamecocks hang around. Don't let them hang around. Because we're just crazy enough to if we get to the fourth quarter and we're within striking distance, it's a one-score game, we're just crazy enough to believe we can win. So if you're Georgia, put Carolina out of their misery early. Take care of the Gamecocks early. The longer you let us hang around, the more of a chance we're going to feel like we have to win the ball game and belief in that building can go a long way. So uh, if you're the dogs, put Carolina away early. You, you, you do not want to allow us to be in it when the fourth quarter starts. Because, again, Willie B will be shaking. It's most likely going to be a sellout. Uh, the crowd's going to be in a frenzy. Everybody wants to put on a show for Nicholas Harbor and him being in town. I'm just saying, if you're Georgia, just put us out of our misery. Because the longer you let us hang around, the more of a shot we got, right? The more of a shot we got. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Um, Travis Allen says, I, I still say 51 to 10. That's fair. Listen, that's fair. Um, Chad Godwin, Chris, three UGA friends that are neighbors. Oh, almost knocked that off. Three UGA friends that are neighbors said UGA bought 25,000 secondary tickets. They will have 30 to 40,000 in the stadium. Have you heard this? I have not. I have heard nothing. Is that true? I, I don't know. Um, listen, folks can just say anything on social media uh, about anything. But, uh, I mean, Georgia's going to bring a good crowd, man. It, it's Georgia. They travel everywhere. We're talking about the same people that traveled to, to Notre Dame and, and, all, and, you know, all over the place. Georgia's got it. Listen, they got a great fan base. I, I don't like them, but, you know, game, respect, game. They got a great fan base, loyal, passionate. They just won the national title. They're, they're going to bring a good crowd, man. Georgia will bring a good crowd, and uh, but I still think, I still think Gamecock fans will uh, will show up, show out, and uh, yeah. Travi, hey, appreciate you, my man. Thank you. The toddler shirts. We do have toddler shirts, guys, available. If you go to the store, look up uh, just toddler in the search bar or 2T, 3T, whatever the sizes are, you will see those toddler T-shirts. They are available there. Um, let's see. Caden, great question. Who has the better quarterback this game? I think Stetson has really improved from last year. If I'm just taking the two quarterbacks, I'm taking them, like, <clears throat> for example, off their team and just saying who's a better quarterback, who's more talented, I mean, I think it's Rattler hands down. I think it's Rattler hands down. Now, with that being said, I, I don't think that Stetson Bennett gets the love and appreciation that he deserves for what he does with that Georgia football team. Granted, I know he's surrounded by by tons of talent, and but it, it's just to, to crap on him and to act like he's just no good and he, he's just completely a – he is completely a result of the system, if you will. I, and I, I, I don't think you're giving him enough credit. So, uh, I, I like I like Bennett as a quarterback. He does a great job for them and what they want to do. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll be a challenge. But I, I think we have – I think that we have – 
a a you know I think we have the if you want to give us the advantage of the position at the quarterback position I think that's where you can find it I think that's where you can find it so great question great question when you're looking for when you're looking for uh, you know advantages in the ball game where we can win maybe hey, maybe seven outdoor sets in minute maybe he does maybe seven can outdoor Stetson. Um, you know, and that, that's, hey, listen, that's what I talked about a lot this preseason. That's what I talked about a lot is that when you got a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, you have a chance. You know, maybe he goes out there and plays his best ball game and, you know, he has one of those 2010 Garcia against Alabama type of games and, um, you know, you go from there. But uh, you got a quarterback like Spencer, you got a chance. So we'll see. Anyways, guys, 843-790-3377. I think we actually missed a call from Charlotte, a 704 number. If you'd like to call back in, that was at the tail end of, of Lady Bree's call. So if you'd like to call back in, you are more than welcome to do so. Um, anyways, Rick Foreman, do you really think Bennett is better than Bryce Young? I'm assuming you're asking Jacob E. that because he said Stetson Bennett right now is the best quarterback in the SEC. You know, again, I, I wouldn't put Stetson Bennett that high, but uh, what I would say, what I would say, let's see. Let's see. Anyways, let's stay locked in here. Let's stay locked in. 843-790-3377. You guys in the TDC Questions channel, go ahead and flood the lines. We'd love to hear from you. We got J.C. Sherbert at 115. J.C. Sherbert at 115 joining us. Uh, we will be diving into the game this week, and we'll talk a little bit about Arkansas, South Carolina, and just how that game played out, and uh, but kind of the what that means for this weekend, the, the way it carries over. And uh, Guys, I, I, I will drop my, my lead pipe lock of the week brought to you by our friends over at A1 Air Quality Consultants. On the show tomorrow, I'm actually picking up tomorrow. We have free koozies to give away this weekend at the tailgate. Seawells, by the way, spot 78. Come on out. Uh, Going to be a really, really good time. Would love to see you guys there. We'll also have these bad boys, these Beamer Ball stickers. These will be absolutely free. So we got free koozies to give. We got free stickers to give. Um, but, I, you know, I say all that to say I, I'll drop my prediction tomorrow. You, you guys will know where I'm going. Hey, if you listen to Michael Bratton this morning, you already know it. Um I'm going into this ball game conservative, right? You have to make picks and predictions based off of what you've seen and what you feel like you know and what the numbers tell you. And the numbers tell you that, yet again, this is not a favorable matchup for South Carolina. I mean, that, that, that's what they tell you. Um, you haven't been able to run the ball, yep, to Lady Bree's point. You ran it in pockets against Arkansas, and maybe maybe you need to be more stingy with it. But bottom line is this. Whether you could run it or you couldn't, I think we could all agree, early in this season, you are still a football team looking to find your identity. You're a football team looking to find out who you are, what you're going to be. And the problem is Georgia's not the team to do that. Like, like, like Lady Bree was saying, I mean, it's a hypothetical. It is what it is. You play the schedule you have, right? So there's not a lot of time or not, not a lot of reason to entertain this hypothetical. But the way the schedule set up, again, it was, it was not conducive to a hot start. Um, it'd be a lot different if you would have played Georgia State, then Arkansas, then Charlotte and SC State, like back-to-back, -back, right? Then 
Right? Then, then you would have had some time to figure out just, okay, this is what we feel. At least we feel confident. In. Like, I, I wonder, I would ask you all, what do you feel like? Do you think we have confidence offensively going into this game? What, what are we confident in? Is there anything, I guess I don't know, I can't speak for folks in the building, but is there anything as fans you feel confident about? Like, well, if nothing else, we can lean on this. Like, is there anything that you feel like we can lean on? And I just figure, I don't know that right now we really know that. You know what I mean? I don't know that we go into a game like this with that level of confidence that, I, that I'd like to see us have. So, um, again, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I picked you to start one and two, guys. And I, I, I dropped a clip this morning from my conversation with Mark Rogers. Um, I, you know, I've had a ton of great conversations this week. Mark Rogers, Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast. I went on a Georgia show as well. Uh, I've had some really great combos. But, um, you know, I talked with Mark about this season and just the start of it and you know, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep everything here, football. And we're, we're talking, listen, we're less, we're less than 48 hours away from kickoff. But uh, we are in the midst of football season. And the, the emotions, they're at an all-time high, man. Everybody's on edge. Everybody's just chomping at the bit to, 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 to go crazy. I'm truly. Um, but, but everybody's on edge. I get it. The emotions run extremely high in football season. And so even if logically it's like, hey, you lost to Arkansas, they're just better than you. Like, that's not good enough for people. Like, like, people go crazy. The season's not over if you start one and two. I don't feel like I should have to say that, but the season, and I said that last year, after you lost to Kentucky. Season's not over, right? It wasn't over then, and it won't be over if you start one and two. Now, what it feels like, and I said this on social media, this season is sort of coming to a head. That game in Lexington, you know, I, I don't want to say, well, this is the season, but... It's a very big game. I mean, it's a very, very big game, no doubt. You know, we talked about that in the preseason. Starting four and two is the goal. If you can do that, that's a successful first half, right? And odds are you're going to be three and two going into that Kentucky game. So let's Call start with the phone. Lines. Scott. To accept, press one. Scott, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, I meant you at the, the bourbon thing and uh, appreciate your non-sunshine pumper, <laughs> you know, truth uh, sometimes. And, but I just wanted to call to tell you what's driving me crazy, man, is, is Satterfield running our small backs up the middle. Why, why does he keep doing that constantly? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of the whole way the running game has been handled has been interesting to me. Like, like I, I like the creativity, but, like, Jaheim Bell being in the backfield as much. Like, I, I don't know. I, you, you know, but yeah, to your point, you, I guess you're, you're referring to, again, Juju McDowell, kind of those inside runs for him. Um, I mean, I know Marshawn. Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, Mar Marshawn's a smaller guy. I mean, what, I guess, I guess, would you prefer to see a Christian Beal Smith get those carries and more so let, let Juju and Marshawn kind of work on the outside? Yeah, I mean, we're missing the power back. And, I mean, I think the they expected SEC Beal Smith had. to be that guy. I think they expected Beal Smith to be that guy, and I think he still could. But, you know, the injury early in the season has sort of hampered him. So, um, I, I mean, listen, I, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you. I, I don't think that if we're going to run inside, I don't know that I look to Juju and Marshawn as, like, that's going to be their bread and butter, right? I mean, Marshawn's 5'9", and, and Juju's a smaller dude. I mean, God, you, you watch 
I mean, I remember watching the 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 documentary thing before the season and just kind of seeing like a close up of Juju, and you're like, man, he's a he's a small guy. I mean, I'm not saying that insulting, but he's just like a smaller guy. Like, you know, he's a quick speedster, yeah, water bug. Quick. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I love his game. But like you said, it's about using the guys to the best of their abilities and, and that inside run for them. I'm not saying never give to your point, never give Marshawn the inside run, but definitely I think that that suits yeah. that suits Beal Smith's game a lot better. So, you know, maybe he's a little bit healthier, a little bit farther along, and we'll see more of that this week. But, yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point in just in regards to the way the, the running game as a whole is, uh, you know, is being handled. All right, man. Let's go, Cox. Hey, I appreciate we'll you, you man. Weekend. It was it was great to meet you at the Bourbon right. event as well, and I appreciate the call. Yeah. All right, we'll see you. Bye, yeah, man. Take care. Great stuff. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven. Let's jump into this text real quick. And guys, you're gonna hate me, by the way, because when we jump into this break, you're gonna see I I still haven't freaking updated the slideshow with the last slideshow and the, the TSUS tour dates. I keep telling myself every single day I'm gonna do it, and I haven't. And that's just on me. I, I'm just I'm a slap dick for that. So. Here. <clears throat> Dalton, what's up, man? How are you? How's it going, man? I got a uh, free day off of work. I came down with a little cold, uh, ah. you know, earlier this week. So I decided to just take a day off. And uh, luckily, it's not COVID, but I'm feeling better. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, hope, I'll, hopefully, you're I'll feeling be better. To, yeah. Hopefully, you're feeling better, my man. Yeah. I should be able to make it out on Saturday. That's that's my hope. I'm, I'm going to take a test, a COVID test, just to make sure, mm-hmm. you know, it's not COVID before I go out there. I wouldn't want to get anybody sick. But, but yeah, that's that's what's going on in my world. But, I mean, one question that uh, I wanted to ask you is sort of what do you think is going to be the best way to sort of stop this, this Georgia team on offense? Because, I mean – they look – they're the real deal. Obviously, you know, I don't expect an upset. I hope we don't get blown out on Saturday, but I don't expect an upset, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at all. The, the, there's a reason why they're they're the number one team. But what do you think we're going to have to do on defense? Because they're elite at, at every single position. They can get you in the run game. They can get you in the pass game. You know, how are we going to be able to slow it down so we're not – starting off the second quarter down by, like, three or four touchdowns. Yeah, and bad starts seem to be, like, a characteristic of ours, right, at least on the road and, you know, against these bigger teams. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because I, I went on – it was on Michael Bratton's show, and he, he asked me the same thing. He said, do you think they need to sell out on stopping the pass? And I just was like, man, like, I just – like, I, I don't know how that's going to play well, you know what I mean, like, in your favor. Because you do that, man, I mean – I. I can't sit here and say that I was in the defensive meeting rooms and I know exactly what the game plan was last week, but I'd assume <clears throat> the game plan was to slow down the run, excuse me, <clears throat> and it still didn't happen. So it's hard for me to feel like we're going to have much success slowing down the run any better if our focus is the pass. <clears throat> um, well, I mean, what, I think a lot of it had to do – it wasn't necessarily size, I don't think. Right. It, it had to do a lot more with just runs after contact. I mean, we couldn't tie anybody up last week at all. You know, we would get them around the waist and then they'd just break free, go for, you know, the first down and we'd be behind, you know, it it would be demoralizing. We'd get them to a third down, you know, think maybe, you know, it's, it's third down and medium. We can maybe get them off the field here. 
You know, they'd run right down the middle, you know, get a first down. Uh, and, and I mean, if, if we have, if we're going to have any chance of beating Georgia, that can't happen on Saturday. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think we can do to improve that other than, you know, improve tackling, but even then, I mean, they're tight ends as big as a running back. So you've got guys all, all across the field that can just drag us for, you know, five, six yards after contact, which is going to be a problem. I mean, listen, it's, 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 it's a very simple answer, Dalton, but I think it's the right answer. It, it's just going to, to slow down Georgia. You know, we can talk about getting in Stetson Bennett's face and, and, and being better against the run game. But <clears throat> what this game's going to take defensively, it's going to take a lot of individual guys having, having high-level performances and win, winning individual matchups, I, bottom line. It's just – that's what it's going to take. You know what I mean? Um, that's got to happen. I mean, certainly, you need to get after Stetson Bennett, make him uncomfortable, get him on his heels. Um, you just got to have some guys win their one-on-ones, uh, just bottom line. We can talk about scheme all we want and, and the way you dial things up, and, and that goes a long way, and it don't get me wrong, but if Georgia's just winning those one-on-one matchups, right, they're out physicaling you, uh, they're winning at the point of attack constantly, play after play after play, I mean, that's, that's all she wrote, right? So – um, like you mentioned, I mean, wh- 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 where's the weakness? Where- where's Georgia's weakness? I mean, the only thing maybe you could say about the dogs is, well, they haven't really played anybody. Like, maybe they're not as explosive. And, um, but, you know, they- they- they've got great players all across the board. And, and um, we're just going to have to have some guys rise to the occasion and, and win their individual matchups. And that goes for both, side of the fo- both sides of the football. And like I said, we need to cross our fingers that Georgia – is not on their A game. I mean, just bottom line, I, I can't say that enough. So, we've got good players. We, we've got good players, no doubt. Um, I think I more so worry as the game wears on and, and Georgia's depth, you know, starts to shine. And, and, and you know, I, it, it's just going to be tough to hang in there. But, uh, yeah, I, just winning those one-on-one matchups, man. I, I think that's what it comes down to, especially. Well, my, my next question, so. my next question is sort of this. Like, obviously – you know, we all know that this is a huge recruiting weekend for us, right? We're going to have a lot of guys in the building that, you know, are taking South Carolina seriously as an option for them in the future. Like, what do you think we necessarily have to do on the field to sort of impress them and and make them feel like, obviously, the environment is going to be big. I don't think that that will be an issue. You know, it's always big for South Carolina, Georgia. It doesn't matter if we're playing at 11, 12, you know, three or seven. But sort of like if we get dragged across the field, don't score any points, lose 50 to nothing, do you think that can that's going to hurt our recruiting? <clears throat> I mean, the good news is this, <clears throat> is that, you know, players don't choose schools. I mean, I guess for different guys, it maybe holds different weight. Um, I don't know that Nicholas Harbor is going to choose South Carolina based solely off of, you know, well, they lost by 10 instead of seven, so I'm not going to go there anymore. Like, I, I, the, the, the final result, but I mean, these top players, yeah, they want to go to places where it's trending up. They, they want to go to places where it's fun to play. They want to go to places where, um, you know, th- there's hope and promise for the future, and they could see themselves fitting in and, and being a star and winning big and, and playing in front of a great environment. Again, that's what fans can do on Saturday is show up and show out and be loud and and create a raucous Williams-Brice. You know, from there, it's out of our control. What does this team do on the field? Um, I think it would go, obviously. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to win, right? It doesn't hurt. Winning only helps. Winning 
cures all woes, right? We've seen the madness this week uh, in regards to this football program. You go beat Georgia Saturday, ain't nobody talking about nothing, nothing negative from Arkansas anymore. Ain't nobody talking about Georgia State anymore. Like, it, winning just cures everything. So, um, I, I think if you can show that promise, again, it's, it's all about Dalton, I think, selling selling to these recruits and these prospects. Like you mentioned, we're just a couple of pieces away. You know, you, you look early on in the Spurrier tenure, and, uh, and there, there were a couple of blowouts sprinkled in there for sure, but it just felt like we played a lot of these teams close. You know what I mean? And we were able to go into living rooms and tell guys, like, hey, come – you know, you've got to pitch all the – all the, the positives of USC and what makes it special. And that's what Shane Beamer's doing. That's why he's recruiting the way he is. But, uh, again, most certainly it does not hurt to be able to say, hey, you know, we, we hung in with Georgia. We lost to them by a touchdown. You know, we made a splash and kind of showed, like, hey, we're better than we were the first two weeks. And, you know, we're, we're, we're building this thing and we're ahead of schedule. And you could be the guy that tips us over the edge. Or you could be the guy. You're one of the missing puzzle pieces that we need to get this thing really rolling to the next level, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I players are not picking schools based solely off a win-loss record and margin of victory or defeat, but I think it would be foolish to think that, you know, a, a, a positive performance on Saturday would not positively affect the Gamecocks recruiting efforts. So, um, there's a lot, of, lot at stake this after, Saturday afternoon for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping we can pull the upset. It, it's not, you know, I'm I'm not gonna go in with like a, a very very high level of confidence. But I mean, we've seen other games where we've been underdogs by 20 or more points, and we come out and we win. So yeah, you know, anything can happen. We'll see. Uh, you know, I certainly don't think we're gonna be coming out of Saturday with a win, but it would obviously be probably the biggest statement win of Shane Beamer's career so far. And, you know, I'm hoping I can be there and uh, we can, we can make it happen. So. Yeah. We'll be big for sure. But you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Great stuff from our friend Dalton guys. We're going to go ahead and jump into our first break, but I want to continue to hear from you more, your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the daily crowd. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Appreciate you all tuning in. We'll have J.C. Sherbert on the show here in just a couple of minutes. About 20 minutes or so. Anyways, anyways, want to hear from you guys. We're talking ball here on this <clears throat> on this Thursday, Thursday, September the 15th, 2022. Just taking a look at Georgia. Really, really good football team. Um, I think Georgia, yet again, like I told you guys in the preseason, picked them to go undefeated. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're on that way. So my official prediction will drop tomorrow. Uh, I do want to say thank you to Michael Bratton. Had a great time chatting with him. And uh, talking Gamecocks and Bulldogs and talking South Carolina to this point in the season. And, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. So. Let's see. 
Again, guys, I do want to hear from you in the Big Cock Club Discord over the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel, be sure your questions are answered there. Be sure your questions are answered there. Um, praying for an upset, man. I'll be rocking my to hell with Georgia shirt either way. Going to be... Uh, Going to be pulling on the boys. Let's see. Key says that I really see somewhere that Satterfield said he needs to call more run plays. Uh, yeah, I think that was the sentiment. Um, you look at what Marcus Satterfield said yesterday when they just kind of asked him about their ideal their ideal um, offense. He says, we're going to do whatever it takes to move the ball and score touchdowns. Okay. What would I like my identity to be? I'd love to be in 12 or 13 personnel, huddle up, run about 58 plays per game. <laughs> Rushed for 275 for over 220. Robbie Davis is actually Hall of Famer. Six. Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing on this uh, game day eve of game day eve? <laughs> the eve of game day eve. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. How are you? <clears throat> I'm doing fantastic. Um, I just wanted to say, like I said yesterday, one of the major keys to us being successful Saturday afternoon, okay, is doing something that we haven't done the first two weeks of the season, okay? And that is by any means necessary, keep the offense on the field. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I 110% agree. You mentioned time of possession, man. That's it's, you know, kind of what it comes down to. Time of possession, and honestly, it, if it wasn't for a And M, A And M getting lucky, if you if you watch that game, which I watched it on YouTube uh, a couple nights ago, I watched it from beginning to end. With of course, you know, the, all the commercials were cut out and stuff, but it only took like two hours and 20 minutes to watch the whole game. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I noticed while watching that particular game is A&M got lucky. They didn't get their, their, their ass kicked. Because if you watch how App State played against A&M and see the time of possession, they got lucky. They didn't lose by more than just three. Mm -hmm. And that will definitely be a major key in this week's game is keep the ball out of out of the Georgia offense's hands because if we hang on to the ball longer than they do and force their defense to be out there longer than they want to, they'll eventually at some point make a mistake. Okay? And if we if we do that, I think, and, and if we do that and turn this into a fourth quarter game, like you said before, went to, before going to break, if we turn it into a fourth quarter game, then Georgia will start to get a little nervous, and somebody's going to miss a block or somebody's going to miss a tackle, and next thing you know, the game is tied up halfway through the fourth quarter and Georgia starts making mistakes, and we somehow pull a miracle out of our butt and beat Georgia in Willie B.
but the main key is is hanging on to the football because the first two weeks we could we couldn't hang on to the football to save our lives. Like two plays in, whenever we were playing Arkansas, a lot of times we were in a third and ten, and 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 if you're in a third and ten, a defense don't have to figure out what you're going to do. They already they already know you're going to pass the ball, so they're not really going to. They're either they're they're probably going to bring a linebacker or two to blitz, mm-hmm. but then everybody else is going to be in a zone or stuck on man to man, and stick to them like glue on paper. Okay. If we can somehow get Georgia into third and obvious passing down mm-hmm. and make and make getting the make the receivers work to absolutely work their tail off to catch the ball and turn this into a fourth quarter game, we could pull it out. But if it turns into a boat race, we're screwed. Yeah, I would agree, Robbie. I I would agree. Um you know, I think my my good friend Brad Crawford, he talked about this earlier in the week. He he, he made the point, weather the storm in the first half. Uh, survive the first half. I think that's definitely a key for South Carolina. Um, again, the longer this game goes and the longer you can make it kind of a one score or, you know, 10 to 14 point game. Um, I mean, it's stating right. the obvious. You feel better about your chances. But what you can't afford to have happen is Georgia get off to a hot start and you know, you fall down 21 to three again. It's just, you just, you can't afford it. I mean, it's just, you, you can't make a living right. doing that against anybody, but a team like Georgia, they get up on you like that. They're going to put you away. They're going to put you away. They're not going to let the foot off the gas. And, and there's just, you know, you're not going to be able to come up for air. So um, you need to get off to a better start than you have been. Exactly. You got to get off to a better start. Um, so. Exactly. And I just, uh, and I'm really curious to how obviously I don't think we should run the ball as much, right? Because our our running our run our our run blocking is absolutely putrid right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to how Satterfield has prepared for this week because he knows like everybody, just like Beamer and Tori and Gray and all the other coaches on the coaching staff, they know how big of a game this is. Mm. They know what's at stake. And I, and I, and I truly, I truly think if Beamer didn't, didn't didn't trust these guys and what they can do, he wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Yeah. So I have full confidence in this coaching staff. Even if we do get our brains beat in, they will figure out a way to make sure that It doesn't happen again if we wind up getting our brains beat in. And what was your what was your score prediction again, Robbie? You Forty-two were... to twenty. Yeah. Okay. Forty-two to twenty, yeah. Georgia. So uh, that was my that, that that's what I told you yesterday. Um, in case you forgot, I was actually going to tell you in case you forgot. 
But uh, um, but yeah, we just gotta like 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 you said, weather the storm, make make them make 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 get make getting the ball to the receivers an absolute war. Okay, make them have to jump over you to get it. And by any means necessary, if we get a chance to get the ball and turn the ball over, get it. Yeah. Okay? And if you get it, hang on to it. Squeeze it. Like it's a bag of $10 million you just stole from a bank. Okay? Hang on to it. And the only way that that person's going to that other team's going to get the ball from you is if they knock your ass out and take it from you. Yeah. And 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 no pun intended, but like I said a couple of days ago, if we turn this into a dog fight and make them earn every inch on that football field Saturday afternoon, Georgia will start to get nervous and they'll make a mistake. That is the hope and dream, my friend. I mean, that's you know, it's going to take a lot of it's going to take a lot of different things happening. Um, it's going to take a lot of special things happening, but you know, we'll see. And like I always say, you don't win a football game on paper; you have to go play it. Mm-hmm. Winning a game on paper don't mean squat. Well, we better show up ready to play because I can guarantee you Georgia's damn damn good enough to beat our ass. So we better show up ready to go. <laughs> oh yeah, I so trust paper, you. I paper know. don't mean they paper know. don't mean jack. So they they've uh, exactly. they've recruited well and they've got elite athletes. And like I mentioned, it's we talk a lot about coaching and but man, at some point it comes down mm-hmm. to one on one matchups and you know we, we got to have some guys really rise right. on the occasion and step up and you know kind of like Israel Mukwamu did back and, in two thousand. And, and another uh, thing too, before I get off of here. Another thing, too, before I get off here, because I know JC's going to call in in, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, the co- one thing that people got to understand is the coaches can only do so much whenever we're practicing, right? The coach's job is to put the players in the best position to win, and it's the player's job to go out there and execute. If the, player, if the players don't execute, it probably ain't going to end well, Okay. No matter how good, no matter how good or horrible you are, mm-hmm. if you if if you if you do your best as a coaching staff to put the team in the best position to win, but the players don't execute, you're gonna get your ass kicked. That is so, true. I mean, what? There's, there's only one thing you can do. Do what the coach tells you. Be where you're supposed to be, and everything will work out. Good, bad, or otherwise. Indeed. Robbie, but, uh, I appreciate the call, yeah, man. And that's JC, all I got. Yeah, JC about to join us, man. You're the man. I appreciate you yeah, calling. That's in. all I got. I'm keeping the I got my watch on. I'm keeping track of time. I'm gonna get off of here. You have a great rest of your day. And go game cocks to hell with Georgia.
You the man, Robbie. Appreciate you, my guy. Good stuff. Robbie Davis. Always riveting calls from him. Hey, let's go ahead, guys. We'll squeeze one more break in here, and then we're going to have J.C. Sherbert on. We'll probably have him until the end of the show. Um, so before we do, we'll take a break. More of your questions, comments, calls. And, of course, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls as well. Back here on this Thursday, September the 15th, we are going to have J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur on here in just a second. Uh, again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, very, very exciting times. It was just announced South Carolina, Georgia is indeed a sellout at williams Bryce Stadium, so we can expect a raucous atmosphere, a crazy environment as Carolina looks to pull what would certainly to this point be the upset of the college football season. And let's go ahead and get him, get him in here. J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Game Fox of the Big Spurs. J.C., what's going on, man? Appreciate you uh, taking the time. What's up? Hey, no problem. Good to be with you today. Uh, always good Thursdays to talk a lot of football and uh, get ready for the football weekend. Yeah, absolutely. First things first, J.C., I appreciate you guys, you and Phil, having me on your show this morning. And obviously excited to get your insight on everything that has happened and will happen this weekend. Uh, we'll start with that Arkansas game because I know it's later in the week, of course. We've all turned our attention to Georgia, but I obviously want to get your thoughts on on what happened over the weekend. For me personally, J.C., not a surprising result. was a little bit higher scoring than I thought. But, uh, you know, we felt like Arkansas had the matchup advantage in the trenches at the point of attack and the line of scrimmages, and certainly that showed itself. Just talk about overall what you saw from the Gamecocks and your takeaways from that 14-point loss on Saturday. Well, first of all, I think Arkansas, it, it kind of took me 24 hours to kind of think about this because when, when you watch last year and you watch the struggles they had against the run, the Gamecocks on the road and the, the slow starts, you almost felt during the game like same old, same old. You know, this is the same thing that always happens. Uh, they come back, come, came, they came back to a certain extent, had the ball with a chance to take the lead, and you know, then three and out. You know, it was a negative twelve-yard drive. They couldn't run the football. I mean, it, it it appeared to be, you know, kind of the same old stuff if you if you take last year into account. But right. you know, if you're thinking about for twenty hours, I was like, you know, last year was last year. You know, th this is this year. This is a different team with different players. Um, and uh, I think Arkansas. Uh, is very good. Uh, you know, Brad Crawford from uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast was on our show earlier this week, and, you know, he, he said he thinks Arkansas is a top-five team when, when all is said and done. Uh, they have one of the most impressive offensive lines I've seen ever, uh, just with the way they attack. I mean, they're not a bunch of big six 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 seven jumbo athlete types. They're, they're kind of just tough guys. Um that's Sam Pittman doing a good job. And, and, and I think one of the keys to the game was South Carolina on defense absolutely had to avoid uh, third and less than five. Because when you get into third and less than five, uh, Jefferson's got the whole playbook. Browse has the whole playbook. Uh, how are you going to stop it? Because ultimately, if you stop everything, he can fall forward for two or three yards. Um, I don't think South Carolina tackled particularly well in the game. Uh, I thought the offense, while they did make their share of big plays, um, you kind of have some questions, you know, like, okay, well, why did the first cut touchdown drive uh, have no passing yards? It was all penalties and runs. And then you abandoned the run game in a game like that where your defense really was not stopping. Um, you know, so there's some questions that come from it, but 
I, I think my reaction to the game was a lot more negative right away. Uh, that's why I, I sometimes – I broke my own policy this past weekend, Chris. I posted my game thoughts on Saturday. I never do that. I usually wait till Monday. And I ended up having to back backpedal some of those. <laughs> um, you know, and so I think that uh, – you know, I, I think that's, that's why I think about it for a little bit. The, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, man, that's that Arkansas team, after watching everybody else in the league for two weeks – I don't know who's going to stop them. I mean, I, Alabama may not stop them. I mean, that that is that is just ridiculously hard to stop because as a coordinator on defense, what do you call? How, what you have to pick your poison, um, and they're so good at setting themselves up in those situations when they're not busting big plays. So I I think that um, you know credit to Arkansas. I think they're a really good football team. Uh, you know, South Carolina I think just probably wasn't there yet. But you know, at the end of the day. Spencer Rattler connects with Amarian Brown on at least two two of those three or four deep balls, uh, which, by the way, I like that. That's the way yeah. they should have been should have been doing that with Amarian the whole time. And I don't know why it took fifteen games to do it, but uh, that's what he's good at at Georgia Tech. Uh, eventually, those will connect. By the way, but you connect on two of those, and it's probably a different ball game. You know, Carolina's right there at the end. Uh, there were just some aspects of it that were disappointing because it seemed similar to the performances. Uh, we saw last season, but uh, you know what? W- what I think I have to do, and, and a lot of people have to do, is just remember that was last year's team. This is a different team. You know, obviously things like Juice Wells blowing up and, and things like that were very positive. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the Arkansas Razorbacks. I, I think it is important to tip your cap to them and give them their credit. I think that's one of the best teams South Carolina will play this year. I mean, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they were picked to win double-digit games by a lot of folks, and and uh, you know we, we we saw it for sure. On Saturday. Now, JC, a lot of the topic of conversation this week has been about the offensive identity. And that's something Marcus Satterfield has been asked about a lot. I, I wanted to get your take on on his thoughts yesterday or, or what he said. And I, I want to pull up the exact quote here because obviously I don't want to paraphrase because I, I thought it was really interesting what he had to say. He said, quote, we're going to do whatever it takes to move the ball and score touchdowns. What would I like my identity to be? I'd love to be in 12 or 13 personnel, huddle up, run about 58 plays per game, rush for 275 yards, and throw for about 220. Your thoughts on that? I, I thought those were kind of interesting comments. I'm glad you asked. Somebody finally asked me about that today. I, I was, I, I've been on 107.5 and everywhere else, and I was like, oh, shoot, I got a good answer for that one. I, I think there's three scenarios. <laughs> uh First scenario is Marcus Satterfield says a lot of things during his media availability. And and he's kind of an understated guy. He just kind of talks to the, you know, he kind of, he's kind of like a guy you don't want to have a beer with, you know, when, when he's talking to, to the media, he's just like, yeah, guys, you know, we do this, that, and the other confident guy, that kind of thing. Um, never shows a lot of emotion. Uh, and so you kind of, you kind of can just sit there and, you know, then you think about it, you're like, what, what the heck did he just say? Uh, you know, <laughs> what was it? And you kind of look at it, and you're like, wait a minute. Um, and, and he talks, I, I believe intentionally he throws a lot of stuff out there through the media because, you know, look, opposing coaches aren't sitting there watching the press conferences every week, but they do have staff that compiles information because in college football, you know, you want every little piece of info you can get. So, you know, you throw a little churn chum in the water, so to speak. Um, and then people start thinking, you know, you, you may, a, 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 a lesser coordinator may under, overthink and go, are they going to come out in 13 personnel or, or whatever? Because it's not the first time he's mentioned it. So that, that's A. That's the first scenario. The second scenario is 
that's just kind of his ideal thing that he would like to do as a coach. And most coaches, honestly, would probably like to do it. If you think about the numbers, 495 yards on 58 plays is eight yards a play. Uh, that's a lot, you know. And if I guess you only run 58 because you're, you know, dicing the other team up or whatever. Um, and, and, hey, it'd be great to do it out of a power formation because that means they can't stop your run game, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. So, so maybe that's just like his dream scenario with whatever his career goals are that one day, you know, like the, like the Rams or whoever, he'd like to get in that personnel and dominate, you know, so yeah, like Steve Spurrier, he, he, he wants to run it four wide and preferably under center and fun and gun it, you know, but, but good coaches don't always have to do what, what they like to do. And maybe that's how he was answering the question. The third scenario is a bit more concerning. It, it, is this his plan for South Carolina specifically? Uh, that's never going to work uh, at South Carolina or, or most places in the SEC, including Alabama. Uh, you know, number one, you're talking about 12 or 13 personnel. You, that means you have to have two not good but great tight ends plus depth. There's not a lot of those out there. Uh, you're going to have to have uh, – and this offensive line recruiting class is excellent, right, Chris? You're going to have to recruit even better than that up front. I don't know that there's a team in the league that can put together that kind of offensive line because of the defensive lines you face week in and week out. And if you're South Carolina, you know, they're about to go to nine SEC games. Then you still have Clemson, who's always pretty good on the D-line. That's 10 out of 12 games during the regular season where you're facing the best defensive lines in the country. You just can't recruit that way here. You can't get enough offensive linemen. It's impossible. As good as this class is, that's just good enough to go out there and, you know, probably win your share of battles, right, in, the, in this league. So if that's the actual long-term plan at South Carolina, that's what I would say. That's preposterous and one of the worst plans I've ever heard uh, for an SEC football program. And I'd be shocked that Shane Beamer would sign off on that because, you know, Beamer coming from Oklahoma and everywhere else, you know, he, he kind of, when he got the job, you know, he was talking about Lincoln Riley and Joe Brady and all these other folks. So, yeah. you know, what happened to that? Now you're going to go to some kind of Rams-ish ground and pound in the SEC at South Carolina. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. Um and so that, you know, my, my strong feeling is it's it's scenario one or maybe scenario two. I don't think it's scenario three because I, I just don't know that anybody could, you know, be that, uh, I don't want to say clueless, but that like tone deaf as to like where you're at and where you're coaching and what you can do to be successful at a specific program in the league you're in. And I would tend to agree with you, JC. I, I, I was – I was not thrilled with the comments. Today. Yeah, I, I don't know. Made, I, I was surprised. I was surprised. I was. It's like the game. It kind of made me panic until I thought about it, and then I was like, "Well, yeah. what, what exactly is he yeah. saying?" Well, and, and I agree. Like, why? Why would you put your exact game plan out there? Yeah, you know, going into a, a huge SEC game, but uh, no, I, I tend to agree with you, man. I, that uh, long term, if that really, if that really is the goal, I, I just good luck. Know. You know, yeah. good luck. Good luck recruiting yeah. that, and you know, I mean, that's something like. Maybe Wisconsin could get by with in the Big Ten. Maybe. Right. right. Yeah, no, I agree. Let, let's let's move forward, JC, to this game this weekend. We'll first just focus on Georgia. Uh, I, I don't know how many how much Georgia football you've been able to watch, but what have you seen from the dogs thus far? 
Uh, you know, it's crazy. For the second straight year, I think the Gamecocks are looking to be the first team in the season to score a touchdown on Georgia's defense. Uh, Dogs obviously just made their statement. That they're not going anywhere in that first week against Oregon, beating them 49-3. to uh, You know, just a, a, a ho-hum game against Sanford, 33 to nothing final. What have you seen from Georgia thus far? And, and I'd imagine you, you believe, like most folks, that, you know, they, they are one of the elites yet again in college football. Yeah, he's certainly off to a good start uh, with that. I mean, you know, you, you, people can question how good Oregon is. I, I don't know how good Oregon's ultimately going to be, but, you know, it, it's not like they beat them 38-21, something like that. They, they, they slaughtered them a 49-3 to uh, in a kickoff game. Um, and then the Sanford game. I, I, I am extremely impressed, and I have been for about two years now, with Todd Mock and their offensive coordinator. Uh, whereas Georgia – we, we used to be used to the, like the Rick era and then what Kirby did with Cheney and then Coley there, we have the eye formation and the off tackle plays and all that. And they're still, they still run all that, you know, they still run all that power, but what Monken's done, he's incorporated what I call a smart passing game uh, with it. It's, it's almost, gosh, it almost reminds me a little bit style wise of what Al Borges did at Auburn the year they went undefeated like 16 years ago. It's more, more modern and downfield than that, but that was sort of a multiple ground oriented, but they're going to kill you with the short passing game kind of thing uh, that they did down there. And it was very successful. Um, you know, last year championship game, Alabama has uh, an injury at corner and the guy out there, they, I don't know where they found this guy. I think he's a Juco and just wasn't ready to go play big time football. And Mocken immediately recognized it, went right after him, touchdown Georgia. And that changed that game. Uh, that's good play calling. I, I think personnel usage-wise, they're always deep at running back. Uh, I think they, as, as good as anybody in the country, know how to use their running backs, rotate them in, get them snaps, get them touches without giving away the play. In other words, yeah, Kenny McIntosh leads their team in reception. So, you know, you may think McIntosh is in, it's a pass. They disguise that very, very well. Uh, I also think he does a great job of getting uh, mismatches with Bowers. Um, South Carolina's going to have to tackle Bowers or it's going to be a long day. That guy will break two tackles and take it to the house. Um, I saw him do it multiple times last year. Um, you know, are they as elite at running back as maybe they've been in the past? I, I don't know. I've never been a big Kenny Melton guy. He was a five-star. He's averaging 8.5 yards per carry this year in two games. But, you know, will he hurt Carolina? I mean, is he a guy that you go, my gosh, like Nick Chubb, where you, you go, man, you got to stop him and Michelle. I I don't know about that. Um, good though, Kenny and uh, you know, and then I mentioned McIntosh, very good player. Uh, you know, running back, they're big on the offensive line. Uh, mentioned the tight end room's really good, uh, and then Stetson Bennett kind of puts it all together. Now he's not a he's not going to fall forward for two or three yards like uh, like KJ and run over you or, or break a lot of tackles, but he is crafty in the backfield. You know, honestly, I was trying to think of who he reminds me of. Kind of reminds me of my younger brother when he was in seventh grade. We, we called him the, the snake because uh, he, he just slip out of there. He was a shortstop playing quarterback, but uh, he's a pilot now. But maybe, maybe actually, you know, the snake, Jake the Snake Plumber a little bit, you know, kind of just that wiry dude that can break free and, and make plays. And then, you know, Stetson's got the arm to go downtown, obviously. Uh, they are without two good receivers today, but they've got other ones. I mean, it's fine. Um, Thank God George Pickens went to the NFL, right? I, I think I think if you have to stop all that, all they do uh, with their backs and tight ends and line and Stetson and all that, then you have to stop. You have to stop George Pickens being 
a pain in the butt. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you know, the, I've been very impressed with that. Very impressed with their defense, obviously. Um, they lost a load of talent. I know people say, well, it's the same. They're playing the same. And through two games, that's right. Uh, will they sustain that level of dominance? I don't know. You know, it kind of depends on what other teams do against them. But certainly it's a tall task for a, you know, a Gamecock offensive line that hasn't done all that well, you know, for a Gamecock offense that hasn't been able to run it through two games. That, that's a big challenge with those guys. Jalen Carter uh, is elite. I like Nazir Stackhouse, their nose tackle. Um, you know, obviously they've got some guys at linebacker in the secondary. You've got Ringo, who's like six eight or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a challenge. And Will Muschamp, people may not want to hear it, is an excellent defensive coach. And um, I thought he had a uh, a lot to do with their success last year, coaching wise. And uh, I don't expect coaching wise, uh, coaching wise, they may get better. <laughs> I'll just say that uh, on defense this year. Now, J.C., when you talk about that matchup, the Gamecocks defense first, uh, trying to slow down the Georgia attack, you know, we, we already knew it was going to be tough. But then you look at what you lose. I mean, a very costly defeat on the road at Arkansas, losing Jordan Strong for the season, Mo Caba, which obviously you guys and the Big Spur, and you guys are really tight with Mo Caba. And we were all high on him in this season. And you just hate it. You hate to see it. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. I mean, I think it happened on the same play maybe too, which was – I feel like I remember seeing Weird. both those guys. You know, whatever. Yeah, just a freak thing. Both guys out for the season. Shane Beamer talking on Tuesday. I'm sure we'll get more clarity tonight. You got a couple other guys in your secondary that are questionable. I mean, you know, I I don't want to say, obviously, that Georgia's just going to be able to do whatever they want offensively, but what was already a tall task feels feels, uh, extremely daunting. What do the Gamecocks have to do? I know you kind of asked me the same question on your show, but in your opinion, you know, what do you feel like South Carolina has to do on defense to slow down Georgia? outside of just hoping that, you know, that they're not having their best day, if you will. I, I think it's, it's, it's sort of um, assignment football meets uh, creativity in the front. How about that? I, I think that you have to come after Bennett a little bit. You have to disrupt his rhythm. You have to affect the passer, right? But you also have to make sure that you're not gambling a whole lot because they will make you pay. And they can make you pay in a lot of ways. They can go downtown. Uh, they can throw it to Bowers on a little hitch, and he'll break a tackle and go. Um, you know, they can throw it out to their back and, and, and kind of go against your tide of coverage. Uh, you know, I, I think South Carolina needs to t- take, you know, put everything in front of them. You know, my, my question is this, uh, if you're the Gamecocks, um, are you going to play Cam Smith this week? Or are you going to leave him at nickel and let, let Russian dial or you move dial up there? Because I, I think you can gamble more uh, against Georgia's outside receivers who are – they're good players, don't get me wrong. Are they elite? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you gamble a bit with that, you know, and, and maybe then you can, you know, uh, put them on an island and, and the corners can make plays and, and you can, you know, bring some exotic pressures and things like that. I, I think the, you know, as much as they're going to miss Mokaba, the good news is Gerard Green's taking his place. That guy, um, you know, I think he, he graduated high school in the 60s. And, you know, now he's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's still here and he's played a lot of football, Chris. And it's been unfortunate what's happened to him and, uh, you know, I do. I think it's a it's a, a little bit of a downgrade. Yeah, because Mo was playing so well. But 
you know, I, I think the good news is Green will be there. And I, I think Stone Blanton, uh, I don't know if, if I'm ready to say he's ready to get in and do great things against Georgia this weekend, but uh, against South Carolina State and Charlotte, I think he can get a lot of reps. And, you know, by the stretch of the season, Stone will get older and, and, and more acclimated, and I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, on edge, you know, they, they were kind of thin there anyway. Uh, Gilbert Edmond, obviously, is a guy when we talked about him on the show today that, you know, the old staff got right at the end. He was a linebacker. They flipped him from South Florida. Um, you know, I, when he's been in, I think he's played well. Uh, Terrell Dawkins played some late. Somebody pointed out to me. I guess I just missed it. And uh, he was back in the backfield a couple times. And, and my folks at NC State and, you know, staff at Florida State that recruited him out of the portal, they loved him. They thought he was really good. So um, I don't know what happened as far as maybe he's adjusting to Carolina's system or what. Uh, but but don't count him out. You know, I mean, think we were, I think we were all thinking he would be in the top four uh, heading into the season. I think Edmund just outplayed him in the preseason. So, you know, Terrell Dawkins is going to step up. So, you know, are, are, are these bad injuries? Yes, simply because I don't, I don't know if there's anybody higher on Kaba and Strong than me and some others. But uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that it's a death sentence uh, where it would. You know, like uh, a few years back, 09, if Stephen Garcia had gotten hurt and Reed McCollum had to take the rest of the snaps. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know that that season goes all that well. Right. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you this, JC, on the flip side, because I feel like all week I've been talking about, well, how do we attack Georgia on the defensive side? How do you see Georgia attacking South Carolina? Because you look at the Gamecocks, I mean, again, I know it's one week, it's just one game, and it's a, it's a different matchup because K.J. Jefferson just such a unique athlete. But, like, they were able to run it when they wanted. K.J. Jefferson went 18 of 21 for like 165. You know, ball was never really in harm's way. Am I, am I, I don't want to be overly pessimistic in, in the sense of like, I just don't know. Like, it almost feels like Georgia can just pick and choose what they want to do. Like, like it's, it's up to them. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do you see, you know, Stetson Bennett, for example, I know it's the gambling side of things, but his prop play over under passing yards is 294 and a half. And to me, that feels so insane. But it's like, is Georgia just Whoa. that good? I mean, are they going to be? Yeah, I, I think it's crazy. But it's like, are they just that good? Are they going to be able to expose South Carolina secondary? I, it just, like, what are you expecting from the dogs, I guess, offensively? Do you think it's going to be that ground and pound? Or are they going to let Stetson Bennett go for his third straight 300-yard or more game? You know, I, I think anytime you play on the road and you're the favorite, a heavy favorite, you don't want to get too cute right away, but I do think you want to uh, deliver a knockout blow. It's it's almost like a, know, a Tyson fight, you know, back in the day where he would, you know, sit there, punch, 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 dance, dance, you know, block, block, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, boom. Um, and Mark Rick's good Georgia teams used to do this. Uh, they'd line up, run you to death, run you to death. And once they got to about the third first down, down around the 40, uh, you could count on play action over the top for the for the right. dagger right yeah. now is it going to look like that are they going to get in the eye and do that and then play play action over the top i, I don't know I, I don't i don't know exactly how it looks schematically but i kind of expect them to come out and try to establish the run uh, against the gamecocks and uh but i also think this they will be quick to adjust uh, they're not going to be stubborn i mean they're they'll be quick to adjust uh, if the Gamecocks are doing things like loading the box, daring them to throw, that kind of thing, they have no problem throwing it. 
Uh, and, and they have no problem uh, changing the play at the line. I mean, this is not a, uh, a rock-throwing contest-style Georgia offense like we've seen over the years. This is a pretty dynamic, modern system uh, that fits what Georgia does and, and what their personnel is uh, annually. So I, I, I think what they'll do is, is come out um, try to get the run going, but if, if Carolina sells out to do it, then uh, they're going to try to make Carolina pay and uh, put points on the board. Now, offensively, J.C., again, the, the, the challenge exists there. Georgia defense that has not allowed a touchdown all season long. Uh, you, you had some encouraging signs, I, I thought, in the passing game last week. You know, Antoine Wells blows up for his big game. Uh, like, like you mentioned, I loved them going down the field to Amari and Brown. I agree with you. That's exactly how they should be using him and utilize his speed. Uh, I, I still am of the belief that Josh Van is at some point going to come into form and be himself. Jaheim Bell's got to be a factor this week. Um, I, I think, too, and we talked on your show earlier, to come in this week and think that, well, this is, this is the week we're going to figure it out, running the football. And I know they had success in pockets against Arkansas, to be fair. But all in all, again, I, I just – I don't know that it's realistic to expect that all of a sudden the running game's going to click and it's going to look like the 2010 Gamecocks out there with Marcus Lattimore. Um, just talk about what you're expecting to see, especially like you mentioned, JC, even if it is a smoke screen and it's chum in the water, as you mentioned, it'll be very interesting to see what the offense looks like after the comments that Marcus Satterfield made this week. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think if you're Georgia, uh, you're coming into this game, you're looking at the Arkansas tape, you're looking at the Georgia State tape, you're probably like, shoot, we can get pressure with three. Uh, and when you can get pressure yeah. with three – uh, it's a long, long day for an opposing offense, uh, considering how well Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart and those guys disguise their coverages. It's uh, that's going to be a big challenge for Spencer Rattler. Um, so I think if they, I think I think there'll be a little bit of a chess match, and uh, early on, I think George is going to go out there and think, all right, we're, we can get pressure with three here if they decide to throw, especially on early downs. We'll kind of dare them to run a little. And, um, and in that case, you, you got to take it. I, I thought against Arkansas, one of the big issues I had with the offense uh, was that there was a light box a lot of times. Um, and kind of uh, since Carolina ran all these RPOs when McClendon was here and Jake Bentley was the quarterback or whatever, uh, you, you kind of get used to seeing it. I mean, with what the deal is, quarterback counts the box. If it's this below this number, they run it. If it's above this number, they throw it. Uh, and South Carolina had – you know, a ch the opportunity for Marcus to do this. But Barry Odom uh, was very, very good about, you know, selectively blitzing and things like that. And they did get pressure with three. Uh, Georgia probably feels like they can get pressure with three or four. Mm -hmm. And if they can do that, you know, uh, I think that's what they'll do. I, I don't I don't think Muschamp and Kirby and those guys, uh, they're not uh, exotic blitzers and, uh, you know, overly uh, – send the house kind of guys. Yeah, they, they, they sort of do it selectively like Nick Saban and those guys and count on their personnel. So, you know, I, I don't see them like loading up and, you know, sending seven after Rattler because that that's that's a gamble, you know, because Rattler could obviously hurt you. And I, I think South Carolina's per perimeter players like Wells and Brooks and Van and, and those guys, Bell, hopefully, uh, I think they can hurt you downfield too. Uh, and I think they know that. So, that, that's going to be the first thing I expect out of Georgia's defense is like, like how vanilla can we play this uh, and still get after them, be aggressive and, and shut them down, uh, especially in the passing game. Um, and then their run defense is just all about fits and blocking and 
you know, all that good stuff. So I, I think that's going to be a mono, a mono challenge uh, for the Gamecocks offense uh, trying to run against those guys. I'll, I'll say this too, that defense does have holes. That whole system, the Muschamp, Kirby, Saban system, uh, it, it's it's complex. It's very assignment-oriented. Uh, they will – they'll, they'll bust from time to time. If you can get time to throw it, they'll bust from time to time uh, if you have a good run play on when they're thinking pass. So, uh, scheme-wise, you know, it, it's not this, uh, you know, impenetrable force kind of thing. It, it, it's their uh, talent that makes it work. Uh, and then a lot of times they're experienced because they're guys, I mean, you know, I think they have a walk on starting at safety still. It's because he knows the system. I mean, it's, right. it's not the easiest, uh, easiest thing to learn for a defender. So, you know, Oregon, obviously, I don't think realize that, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, uh, if Carolina can, there could be some opportunities. Yeah. And I think too, you know, JC, you bring up the point of Oregon and, Everybody went in that game talking about Bo Nix. And, I mean, it, it, the game is much bigger than than one player. But, you know, I, I think if anything, what I see, and I'm not going to sit here and like, act like I watched the entire Georgia-Oregon game, but Gamecocks need good, good quarterback play on Saturday. I mean, it, it's just – this is a huge opportunity, in my opinion, for Spencer Rattler beyond just his Gamecocks career, but for the future and showing NFL scouts the type of player that he is. Uh, it's a big game for seven, and on a national spotlight, you know, going up against the number one team in the country, and I think it's a, it's a big time opportunity for him to showcase his skill sets, and and uh, I think it would go a long way, you know, if he's able to play well, keep South Carolina in the game, maybe people start to look at Rattler and say, you know, there's the guy we saw at Oklahoma in 2020. Yeah, definitely, and I think, uh, you know, quarterbacks like Rattler. Uh, have had some success against Georgia. Um, passing offenses have had success. It's been a while. I mean, la- last year, people have to realize last year's defense was historically good, right? Mm-hmm. Bo Nix has played Georgia for four straight years. Hadn't done squat, really, against them. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I did. Uh, now, they hadn't beaten them in a while. Uh, I think it's been since 20, 2017 since Auburn's beaten Georgia. Uh, so, so Bo hadn't done anything and, and probably didn't scare him. They probably knew exactly how to play him. Um, but the teams that have given them trouble, you, you, so, you sort of think about it, it was Alabama in the championship game last year and then the SEC uh, with Bryce Young going vertical, hitting those receivers, running RPOs, that kind of thing. They sort of threw over all that pressure, right? Um, you know, I, I, I remember Mississippi State in 2020. Uh, going to Athens, and I think they lost by a touchdown, um, 31-24 against uh, that defense. And then uh, Florida and then the cocktail party in 2020 uh, lit them up in the first half. I mean, they had 38, uh, I think, in the second quarter. Finished with 44. Georgia made adjustments. But uh, still, I mean, that's Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and all those guys, the Kyles, if you will. Um, all of those – all those teams go go vertical down the field. So uh, I think even with all the talk about establishing the run and all that, I, I think the reason you want to run the ball and you can do it sneakily if you want um, is that you, you don't want to go three and out, three and out, and gas your defense, right? Because if, if you gas your defense against Georgia, they're going to beat the tar out of you. You know, you need to, you need to stay on the field. But at the same time, you know, the, the teams that have had success against this team you know, last three years have all been able to throw it and have an efficient passing game. So, you know, it, it kind of puts you in conflict a little bit and really makes it an interesting storyline as to exactly what South Carolina will do uh, 
to try to attack Georgia uh, this weekend. What I hope they don't do is go out and, and try to run it up the middle three times just to prove that they're going to try to run it. Uh, and you have a bunch of three and outs anyway, and it doesn't matter. And you got Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells sitting there, you know, blocking and handing it off. I, I, I think the key phrase or the key term uh, for Marcus Satterfield and those guys this weekend it w- would be balance. If you could find a way to achieve balance, uh, I think you could move the ball on them and uh, stay in the game. JC, simply put, because I've been talking all week about recipe to success, can South Carolina beat Georgia? If so, what has to happen? Yes, uh, I think South Carolina needs to, you know, win the turnover battle, balance on offense, tackle on defense, uh, you know, keep, keep things in front of you. Don't don't let a three-yard pass turn into a 70-yard touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, limit them. Um and then, you know, what I wrote about today, toughness, physicality. You, you look at this game, man, there's been games before, 2008. Georgia was ranked third, uh, came to Columbia. South Carolina was coming off a loss to freaking Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia escapes 14 to seven. Um, you know, we talk about uh, 2019. When South Carolina in this game, in this series, matches Georgia's physicality and toughness, uh, number one, it's a bloodbath. It's a war. You know, it's an SEC. It's what SEC football is all about. Number two, South Carolina usually stays in the game. You know, they may not always win, but they stay in the game. Uh, you know, and I, I was even thinking uh, between your show and mine about those high scoring games, you know, shoot, like, you know, you think about that 45-42 game, uh, all the defensive touchdowns Carolina scored, and then Marcus Lattimore in that game. Man, 29 carries, 197 yards. Steven Garcia played with guts and toughness that whole day. Uh, including making a pass on fourth and one that I think everybody was nervous, a little crossing pattern he hit. I mean, that's that toughness, you know, that, that you know, you have to match Georgia's physicality and, and Georgia's toughness, uh, you know, if you're South Carolina in this series. And when you do, good things tend to happen. You may not always win, but good things tend to happen. So that that final key is my my, my big key. But Man, you come out there and you're undimensional, one-dimensional on offense, and you're sloppy and missing tackles, even though you're in position, and letting Bowers go free, and not getting to Bennett, not blocking, and turning it over, and, and they're not. I mean, it's over. I mean, there's just there's no way you could defeat a team uh, like that playing a very sloppy football game. So South Carolina's got to play its best game and hope that uh, at least as far as this year's concerned, or the last 17 games is concerned, Georgia does not. Yeah, and I think getting off to a quick start, like you mentioned, I mean, the Gamecocks, you know, fell down 21-3 to to Arkansas and give the Hogs credit. But when you fall down like that to good teams, they're just going to put you away. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, and I was talking a little bit earlier, you know, do, do not, if you're Georgia, don't let South Carolina, you know, get to the fourth quarter in a one-score game or a 10-point game and just let them think, you know, they have a chance. Because if you do, we're crazy enough to believe – we can win. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's I what mean, that... you know, we'll, and, and Willie B you'll be shaking. I mean, all of a sudden from there, it's like all bets are off all that talk all week. Don't matter your ranking. We're just going to give you hell for 15 minutes and see what happens. So, and I would say this JC kind of in closing on the recruiting side. And, and even if you do not beat Georgia and this isn't about taking moral victories, you know, listen, we're, we're fans, we're folks that don't have any control in the outcome. So we can see it for what it is. Um, you know, you, you can take a lot of positives out of this football game, even in a loss, you know, just showing progress on the field and giving Georgia a fight and maybe starting to establish that identity and seeing some guys step up on defense and seeing some guys 
you know, win their one-on-one matchups and sort of rise to the occasion, seeing their true potential come out. And that's obviously going to, you know, help this fan base, help this program, but also help you on the recruiting side because you got some really big dudes in the building on Saturday. It's headlined by Nicholas Harbor. But just talk about um, talk about that, the impact of it, because I, I think a lot of fans, you know, they wonder how much impact does do wins and losses and overall record have on recruiting a guy like Nick Harbor. I don't think a ton, but obviously, JC, we both agree, you know, the more progress you can show and the better off and being on that positive trajectory, it's only going to help your program on the recruiting front. Absolutely. You know, and, and recruits aren't fans. You know, half of them, you know, they're not sitting in the game, uh, you know, standing up, and most of them are, aren't standing up cheering on third down and stuff, unless right. it's like a really good game and stuff. You know, they don't live and die with every play. They're evaluating the atmosphere of the stadium, the coaches, the you know, the, the girls that are there, the parents are wondering about academics, especially, uh, you know, uh, official visits, which, which Harbor's mm-hmm. on. Um, and so, you know, it, it, the best thing the fans can do uh, if it, it, about recruiting, um, and, and look, you, it's, you can't ask people to stay in their seat if you're getting blown out. It's 90 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, the best thing the fans can do is, is create a great atmosphere. And, and look, they're, they're down on the field pregame. They're either in a, in a box or, or eating or something during the game. Uh, they have a, a ticket section, of course. But, uh, you know, it's not always about, like, the action on the field. It, you know, the pregame uh, is going to be very important, <laughs> you know, if you want to make an impression on Nick Harbour. And that, that's kind of what, what's been uh, a little bit – tough for, for both staffs, you know, the, the former staff and this staff uh, really since 2016 is, is the Gamecocks just for whatever reason, were not getting those crowds like they had against Georgia state, you know, and then of course the pandemic hit or whatever, and it got even worse, but now, you know, Gamecock nation seems to be back and engaged. It's the second straight, straight sellout, you know, uh, I think that that's, the best thing that could happen. Now, there's going to be about 12,000 Georgia fans there. Don't, don't get me wrong, but uh, there always is. But, you know, having that big-time atmosphere, having everybody go crazy with Sandstorm, having the player see 2001, uh, sending the message as, as a, a complete organization uh, from top to bottom that, hey, this place cares about big-time football. Yeah, they if, they if they lose, yeah, they may have lost the number one team in the country today, but, you know, what the selling point there is we need folks like you to where next time number one comes in here, they go down or we go into another stadium and, and get this type of atmosphere because we're ranked number one. That, 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 that's the message you have to send. I, I'd be a lot more, more worried about it had the crowd been a little light. and You know, maybe this was game eight and everybody was dooming and glooming. But uh, I, I think I think they'll be fine. You know, I, I think they'll definitely be fine recruiting wise this weekend. J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur, of course. We can check out all their work. J.C., it's always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you for having me on your show. I apologize for the technical difficulties. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That, yeah, it's sometimes technology, again, just has a mind of its own. But uh, we make it rock either way. So, uh, and, and exactly. again, your hair, looks, your hair looks fantastic. I saw some comments, people saying, where's J.C.'s hair? In case I missed it. You obviously said that once we lost, it was – 
X bye bye hair. With the hair and, and there it goes. So, there it goes. I think I'm the buzz cut hair. looks good on you. I think the buzz uh, cut looks good on yeah, you. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Our, hey, hey, don't worry about those technical difficulties, man. Some of the best segments on our show, like we had Flint, we had Michael Flynn on last week and his camera kept falling off of his thing. And uh, that was one of the best segments we ever had. Your, your segment <laughs> today absolutely kicked it. So uh, sometimes those technical difficulties uh, make a good yeah, segment sure. anyway. Yeah, for sure. JC, I appreciate it, man. Uh, We'll see what happens on Saturday, and obviously we'll break it all down next week, my friend. Hey, Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Be good, man. Yeah, man. We'll talk soon. Great stuff from J.C. Sherbert. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Always enjoy chatting with J.C. every single Thursday. I appreciate him, his love and support of the show, him having me on his airwaves. And, again, that's J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks, thebigspur.com. You guys are obviously familiar with J.C., his work, what he does. Uh, five minutes to go here on this Thursday, Thursday, September the 15th, 2022. Guys, of course, the Daily Crow will be live tomorrow, noon to two. Podcast will drop tomorrow with full keys to the game, uh, key matchups, predictions, storylines, all that good stuff. Our normal Friday show where I'll break down the game in its entirety. So, really, really excited. Either way, it's to hell with Georgia. Um, you know, going to be very interesting to see what takes place and how the Gamecocks attack this game. And yeah, like JC said, you know, I, I would echo his sentiment. You know, fans ask all the time, how can they help the program? And obviously, there's never been more of an opportunity than there is now for fans to help the program with NIL. Uh, we're seeing great things that are happening uh, from fans giving to places like the Garnet Trust or Carolina Rise or, you know, what, uh, what Jeff O'Hare with Cox by 90 is doing with his CB90 house. And, uh, you know, we're seeing many, many, many other fans. You know, we've been able to partner up with athletes and do NIL and put money back in their pockets and create unique merchandise and, and value for you guys as well. Um, so, but if you want to help out, you know, Nick Harbour going to be in town. You want to help with recruiting? Pack Willie B. Show up, be early, be loud, stay to the end of the game, create one hell of an environment. I, I, no matter what the final score is, that's going to go a long way. And a kid like that showing him, like, we love our football. We're going to support no matter what. We're here. Uh, we're relentless. You know, we're Gamecocks. It's what we do. So, and, and let them know that, you know, this is the type of environment you will play in on a week-in, week-out basis. Again, it was, it was announced earlier. Uh, a sellout, Gamecock Nation. Kudos to you. Kudos to Gamecock Nation. Showing up, showing out. You know, obviously, number one team in the country. Number one team in the country. Um 24 and a half point favorite. Let's check on that real quick, by the way. Let's see if that line has moved. I don't think it has, but I have not checked it today. How about a – oh, no, there's no – I guess there's no college game tonight, huh? You got Florida State-Louisville tomorrow night. That's an interesting game. Uh, get this, though. How about this? Georgia, 24 and a half point favorite. The over-under has since jumped, right? I told you guys yesterday – to take the under 52, that total has now shifted to 55. And I wonder how much of that is because maybe folks in the know on the inside know that the Gamecocks are going to be down a couple more key defenders. Because I think, obviously, if you have guys like Cam Smith doesn't play, Boogie Huntley doesn't play, I mean, it's just, it's just going to get tougher and tougher and tougher defensively. So, I, you know, again, guys, you know, we're, we're going to continue to have hope and dreams and optimism and, and break down this game. And, uh, but, you know, I, I'll give a very realistic prediction. Heck, I already gave it on Michael Bratton's show today. Um, you guys will hear it in full detail on the show tomorrow. But, um, you know, you, you need Georgia to have an off day. That's just bottom line. 
you need Georgia to have an off day. Listen, nobody, nobody in their right mind came in a year two with Shane Beamer thinking, well, you know, if we're not competing with Georgia and beating them this year, then Shane Beamer's just not on track. He, he's not the guy. Uh, nobody thought that. No, nobody thought that, right? Um, you know, with, with the guys Georgia's recruited, they've been recruiting at an elite level. Like, what you're doing right now in the 23 class, guys, you need to do that for the next, like, five years in a row. That's, that's, that's the key to success. I mean, really, truly. And in the meantime, make bowl games. Make bowl games, go to the postseason, win a few bowl games. You're there, right? South Carolina, it's still a big deal to win a bowl game at USC. It, it's a very, very big deal. It should not be taken lightly. So, um, you know, win bowl games, do that, keep going to postseasons, you know, don't have, don't fall off the ledge. Like a, uh, you know, that, that, I think that was Muschamp's biggest issue. It, it wasn't the fact that you never had a 10-11 a win season. It was just your down year was four and eight. And then your down year was two and, two and eight. And it's just, you, you can't build a program when you're doing that, right? And I know injuries happen. We're not going to go back and rehash. Uh, we're not going to go back and rehash the Muschamp era. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's a tough task because Georgia just outmanned you at every position. But crazier things have happened. Look at 2019. Um, that was unexpected. The spread was also 24 and a half. So maybe just maybe lightning can strike twice and uh, the Gamecocks can put on a show. Again, I, I think a lot of positive can be taken away. You know, you, you're going to hear the whole, oh, moral victories crowd. But like realistically, looking at this game, the advantages Georgia has, you lose this game, in my opinion, by 14 or less. I think you're leaving this ball game with a lot of positives. I, 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 think, I think you are. And I don't care if people don't like that. It, whatever. You know what I mean? You're like I, I picked thirty-five to seventeen in the preseason. Heck, I, I'd probably take that prediction at this point. I don't think that'd be all that bad. Show some life offensively. If Georgia just beats you, they beat you. You can tip your cap, but you know, make it a competitive ball game. Falling down twenty-one to three and being down twenty-eight to three at half, it's just going to be tough. How you win and lose, right? Year two. That's what it comes down to, guys. We've hit two, we've hit two o'clock. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued. Love and support as we keep rocking, counting down the seconds, 46 hours away until toe meets leather at Williams-Brice Stadium. Guys, stay tuned to all the content. Content bleeding out the eyeballs. TDC back tomorrow. Podcast drops tomorrow. Y'all stay tuned. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.